0: On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam
1: Scott. Expect anything different.
0: Brilliant! What an up and down that was.
1: In your life, have you seen anything like that?
0: Welcome to the clubhouse. Oh, no bigger sport in Australia right now than golf. It is all happening. Lots of news, lots of wins for Australia on tour, and the Masters is just a week away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clubhouse. Julian Bale, is my name, in the studio with Mark Allen. And Marco, what a what a time to be a golfing fan in
1: Australia. Mate, plenty to talk about, Jason Day. Another win for the kid. I think that's six in 13 tournaments on the US Tour. Yep. Um, just phenomenal stuff from this man, particularly when you consider... He was kind of stuffed before the first round yeah. in the match play, yeah, he was stuffed, I mean he couldn't he knew he had a sore back. Yep. he had people from his team telling him not to play um how about how about when he won his first match, and I think it's Steve Sands or whoever it is. Jason Day couldn't talk mm. after he won his first game. He could stay in shot. He could stay in shot. But Steve Sands had him there. He said, can you just say, oh, I can't talk. No, I can't talk. But he stood there in shot for a while. Um, yeah. Look, he had treatment. Apparently Bubba Watson's trainer was the man uh, giving him the help yeah, right. that it required. And it's, you know, just like um, the AFL, the NRL players, it's if you're in trouble, it's every hour. You've got to have a bit of treatment yeah. to get it done properly. He did that in between round one and two, first, and then continued about, right throughout the week. What
0: about that drive on the first tee after he, after uh, the, after he had the drive the About 360 the or something. <laughs> <laughs> Look, All the commentators are going, will he be a bit tentative on this first yeah. shot? <laughs> Bang!
1: Off it goes. <laughs> he's swinging the club as well as I've seen him. Yep. But the most important thing going into Augusta is that his putting is at a level now that we've never seen before in Australian golf. And I'm talking Baker Finch, and I'm talking Aaron Badley. Now, Aaron Baddeley last year in putts gained, led. Yeah. He was the number one putter on tour. He missed his FedEx, you know, he missed his cart. So gives you an idea of how poorly he was hitting the ball. <laughs> the rest of the game wasn't that great. No good at all, but he was the number one. Now, on this strokes gained putting stat, the way it works, folks, is wherever your ball finishes on the green, over there they have uh, – Uh, The ability to chart everyone's putt who plays that day. So your putts are against the rest of the field. Mm -hmm. That's basically how it is physically. But Jason Day's putts against the rest of the field are done in a very different place in that tournament because he's playing so well, he actually has the pressure of winning associated with wherever his putts are. And he's number two. Like even Jordan Spieth last year, I think he was number nine. So mm. we all saw how incredible his putting was yep. in 2015. For strokes gained, he was number nine on the U.S. tour. Uh, like I said, his putting is associated with big wins. Yep. Now Jason Day is too. I mean, he's had some big wins now. Bay Hills is a big win. Uh, the match play is a big win. The USPGA is an enormous win. Massive. Enormous wins. These stats that we're talking about now that sees him at number two, he's putting with a lot of pressure as well. When you lead from start to finish yep. like he does in a lot of tournaments, mm-hmm. absolutely uh, the way these the, this, this putting stat is measured, it's significant that he is now number two putts gained. And look, when you, when you watch Jordan Spieth last year, I mean, his putting is just, you know, a whole new level of, of beautiful to watch. But Jason Day is now right there. He's in the same it's bracket. Right up there. Yep. He's in the same bracket. The same. The beautiful rhythm, the beautiful, there's a real rhythm, Jules, to when you putt, to when you actually make the stroke and then your head looks up. Mm-hmm. You don't want to staying down too long. You don't want it looking up too early. There's a beautiful rhythm. Normally, that's the first thing to go under pressure, yeah. is at that that. The rhythm of the head look where he's, the ball's going. we have
0: spoken about Adam Scott where he's... Yeah, that's right. He's got and, the tilt, yep. trying to
1: keep it down too long. So there is a real rhythm that's involved um, with the head looking up. And it's really easy to do on the practice punting green. But when you are desperate for a ball to go in the hole, that's when strange things happen. Mm. You either, either try and stay too still, or you're looking up uh, trying to you know almost steer the ball at the hole. Under pressure, his head look is as perfect as you'll ever see. And so was you know, Jordan Spieths. And Tiger Woods used to not look. You know He used to look with his eyes, <laughs> which was pretty clever to actually putt and then just use your eyes to look. Most people actually move their head to look where the ball goes. But Tiger had this amazing ability just to shift his eyes in his head without moving yeah. his head too much. So he did it another, another way. Jordan Spieth, you know, on the short putts, he was actually looking at the hole which kind of counterbalanced everything on the short ones. But on the long, on the 10-footers, when he was looking, he had a beautiful yep. rhythm to his head look uh, when he was going as well. So Jason Day, I've never seen anything Good like science. it as far as his putting at the moment. And when you can combine that, Jules, sorry to ramble That's on. Right. When you combine that with hitting the ball 380 <laughs> yards off the tee, it helps. it's pretty handy. Yeah.
0: It's very you can, you can just get a little cheeky up and down for birdie, you know? Yeah, every, he's chipping you know, and his chipping is unbelievable, floors. mate.
1: His yeah. chipping is unbelievable, and that has helped because of his putting. Yep. He knows he's going to... He's, he's got he, no pressure. He's, he knows, he, he, knows he can nail him. That is exactly right. He, he yep. knows a four and five footer, more than likely... It's going in, mm-hmm. so he doesn't have to chip it to a foot. Yeah. He can chip it to the forefoot. Okay. He can it to the, you can chip the foot. can probably <laughs> chip it to the six. I'll still knock it in. And when that's in the back of your mind, it's amazing. The pressure valve's released a little bit, and that's why he's chipping it stiff all the time, which makes it which makes golf easy.
0: All right, big show ahead today on the clubhouse. Lots to talk about. We're a week out from the Masters. Yeah. Excited. We'll get a full preview from yep. you a little bit later on in the show. Yep. So if you're a big fan hang of the around. Masters, so hang around. Stay tuned. Marco's going to tell you where his to put your money. Outsider.
1: Tell you Over where to the put year. your money.
0: Where he, uh, that's where week. he like to yep. go. And we're also going to talk about, well, a bit of controversy in Australian golf, because our version of the Masters, Marco, is not on.
1: Uh, that's the saddest thing uh, I've heard this year about our golf. I mean, we're traveling so well. Mm. And I'm going to sound like a broken record a little later. <laughs> I am. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but get ready. But, man, I'm, I'm you know, that tournament started in 1979. When I was playing, yeah. it was the biggest and the best tournament. It was the richest. It got, attracted the most people. The coverage was the best. Yep. It's where Australian golf coverage made its name. Uh, made. I remember playing. I was a, I was a hack, Jules. Mm. I, it was four deep sometimes <laughs> when I was playing. Yeah. You know, that the, it's shame where it's the got feel to. about that event, um, it all changed when they moved it from February to December. I'll tell you more about that. A little bit later, well, hold probably. fire
0: because we'll uh, we'll get your thoughts on that a yep. little bit later on in the show. But Jason Day's win—we've spoken about it already. One thing I want to talk to you about mm. was you've been a little bit critical of his mental, the mental side of his game. I would yep. say over the last probably 12 months we've we've yep. talked about that and uh, and whether that that part of his game is right. For him to be able to come back from where he was with that back injury. He's got his whole team saying, yep. "Don't play anymore. Yep. Get yourself right for the masters. It's yep. not worth you going back out there." Yep. Then to come out and win and win so convincingly 5 and 4 in the in the final uh, and then that big win over yep. Rory Macaroy in the semi-final, things are clutching changing. that putt uh, on the 18th. Yeah. Things are things are changing for Jason Day and the way he's playing right
1: now. And here's the thing uh, Unfortunately, all the players at the moment, their mental ability is going to be measured against Tiger Woods's mental ability and Jordan Spieth's mm-hmm. at a 21 years old to see what he did last year. So, you know, when we talk about Jason Day's mental ability to cross the line, unfortunately, he's going to be compared to Tiger Woods. Now, the amazing thing with this is that he's got Tiger Woods's ear. And uh, yeah. he tells us all about it too Which is, which is kind of good which, which we like We it. like it We do We do like that So uh, Yeah When you hear him talk now Even he says it You know His, his game is all set He's just got to get his mental ability To a level Where he can win On the biggest stage of all uh, Which is You know The Opens And the, and the mm-hmm. Masters And PGA's And the US Opens US Open he's actually made He's made for that one as well these days He's made for them all um, But it, it is incredible it is incredible, that mental ability, when that gets into your putting, because that's that's the business end. And we saw him, you know, his, his match against uh, Brooks Kepka and his match last week against uh, McIlroy, he didn't hit the ball like a dream. He did not. No. He had to rely on his short game, mm-hmm. and that's the toughness in golf. You know, when you're hitting the ball like a dream from tee to green, like Adam Scott does, that that scragging, you, you kind of lose it. And, you know, sometimes you don't get that test leading into a big tournament. Jason Day's had that test where he hasn't hit the ball perfectly from tee to green, but his scragging and his toughness on the golf course is there for everybody to see. It's really hard for him to make a bogey at the moment. It's really hard. Mm. Augusta, by the way, is the easiest place in the whole world to make bogeys. <laughs> the easiest place. Can be, I, I, I reckon all... we could go there and make lots of bogeys. <laughs> I bogey reckon money. we could. <laughs> I reckon you're right. Um, and, and in saying that as well, if you're playing well, it's kind of the easiest place to make the birdies. Mm. I mean, way back in 1986, like this is the 30-year anniversary of Jack Nicholas winning that tournament. Mm-hmm. Jack shot 30 on the back nine. He was 46 years old, <laughs> shot 30 on the back nine with a bogey on 12. Wow. I mean, if you are do- if you are hitting the ball correctly, you've got you've got thirteen, which you can make an eagle. We've seen lots of eagles at thirteen. You've got fifteen, where we've seen eagles basically the win the tournament. Both those holes, also, we've seen doubles and triples yeah. where you can actually <laughs> lose the tournament. Yeah, um, you know some of the other holes, it just seems like sixteen. If you hit the ball in the right place, it just seems to come down to the hole, and you've got yourself a three footer. So if your if your green game is on, you know you are going to have some short putts for birdie. Uh, and if, you know, you only have to hold a couple of 15-footers along the way. You hold the short ones, so you've got short, four shorties. Yeah. You hold two longies, Boom. just two. Boom, there's your six under on the back nine. Yep. Thank you very much. So it's out there, but if you're just a little bit off. And this is where, this week, Nick Feldo's commentary at Augusta, there is nothing yeah. better. I mean, the man's won three of them. It's exciting. When you hear him talk about feels and how precise that you have to be, um, and actually getting your feels right under pressure when you're doing something new at a tournament like Augusta. Like, oh, I've never been there. But you know, I sit in my chair and listen to Nick Feldo and just, I mean, I really like it. I really, I love his insight. So when he's talking next week or this week, folks, make sure you turn the volume up and have a listen to everything that Nick Feldo says because it sounds simple, but what he talks about is key to winning at this golf course going to be fascinating. Genre Can't wait. Excited. Can't wait, mate. Full preview from Marco
0: very, very shortly on the you know, clubhouse. Yeah, you
1: know, sometimes the worst times uh, when you get this excited, some the old Greg Normans, yeah. like he'd won, <laughs> you know, came second like, the year before. That's when he, normally the 76 gets thrown in. So let's not talk it up too much. We haven't
0: had too much expectation last couple of no, years going haven't, in. We have
1: This year we do. Yeah. This year we do, buddy. Just so excited. look, fingers crossed. Set the alarm. Get up early. Maybe Mark Leishman's going to be the man to go crazy. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Who Who knows?
0: Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to get to a break. Up next, well, we're going to talk about a bit of a controversy in Australian golf because the Masters is no longer this year, and we want to find out why and how we can fix it to get it back to what it was. This is The Clubhouse right across Australia.
1: In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, you're with Mark Allen. My name's Julian Bayard. Great to have your company across Australia talking all things golf and, well... An interesting article that uh, appeared on Wednesday night going into Thursday morning's paper, Marco, was that the Australian Masters in 2016 will not be played. The event won by Peter Senior for the third time last year and was back at the traditional homeland at Huntingdale uh, will not be played this year. IMG, who run the tournament, have come out and said that uh, they're going to not have it this year. And an announcement to come in the next couple of months about how they're going to revamp it for 2017. Firstly... Your thoughts on them not playing it this year?
1: Well, they couldn't, and you can't blame IMG for this because the tournament was getting smaller and smaller and smaller because it had the worst date in the history <laughs> of golf weeks to have a tournament on. The, the Masters, it seemed every year, and I'm going to say for the last 10 years, ever since it got shifted, I don't know when it got shifted, from February... To uh, November, mm-hmm. but it was the right decision at the time. It is the wrong decision now to have that tournament there, and now we don't see it. But it was up against the finale of the uh, race Race Dubai in Europe. It's up, to, it's up against the very start of the wraparound year these days on the US Tour. It's up against all the tour schools that are around, mm-hmm. and we're trying to. You know, we're all scratching our heads. You know, when you're watching it, I wonder why they can't attract anybody. Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to get Adam Scott. You're going to get every once in a while, Ernie Ells. Ernie Ells was scheduled to play this yep. year. Of course, he pulled yep. out. He, he'd had enough. You know, at, when it comes to November, when these players, you think about how much golf they've already played. It's April. By the time it gets to November, they don't want to do anything. They, they want to rest. They want to see time. their family. They want to do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> now, I, I said a second ago, when they moved the tournaments to uh, November, December, it was probably the right move. But Why was it the right move then? Uh, because... There was not.
0: There wasn't these wraparound because schedules we only had or, three. We
1: only had three events, and you yeah. best put our three events together because you might snag players to play in all three. All three. Okay, in, it, it, that, that that was the thinking. Yeah, um, but now before Christmas is poison for our tournaments—absolute poison. So I, now I don't want to sound like a broken record, no, Jules, but you know this. I yes. mean, our tournaments need to be in February. At the moment, we've only got three left. Perth International mm-hmm. which is in February mm-hmm. nice start part of the European tour Australian Open is not part of any tour just there it's just there yep so you know if a young bloke wins the Australian Open he, he, i mean if he's got nowhere to play next year he's he's actually got to go to a tour school like we saw Nick Cullen you remember Nick Cullen okay. winning the Australian Masters at Metropolitan mm-hmm. he didn't come back to defend his title do you know why because he had nowhere to play and he had to go to a <laughs> tour school so you, you can see there, there is going to be always tr- trouble, problems, developing a deep field. It's no good getting a few players. No. You know, like the Australian Open, they do so well to get the field that they get every year. Golf Australia do an amazing job. But, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, it's it's not a deep field of golfers. It's great to get Jordan Smith. It's great to have Adam Scott. It's great to have Mark Leishman. You know, it's great to get the other international stars that, that filter down. Yep. There's eight players, nine players, and the rest is made up of basically the Australian kids who who aren't playing on the US tour, who aren't in the finale yeah. of the European tour, and who aren't at tour school. So basically all the rest. All, every B-grade player is not going to be there. You, know, you, only, you need you need eight A-graders. You need about 40 or 50 B-graders. Yep. We don't have that. We don't have any B graders, basically. So we've got the C graders rolling. We right? just got C graders and D graders yep. playing in those in in those events. Now, someone someone's got to think about what's happening here because when you look at the model that South Africa have been running with, that's right, for twenty five years, they now have more major winners than we do. Please. They now have more tournaments on the European Tour than we do. Every time you watch the European Tour at night time, the leaderboard is dominated by (laughs) South South African players. (laughs) I mean, somebody at headquarters, at Golf Australia, because there's two headquarters, it's like, you know what it's like? Mm -hmm. It's like Victorian racing and New South Wales racing. That's how it's going at the moment. Right. (laughs) So, instead of everything being under one umbrella... And lining up a racetrack of tournaments. Perth, for well, forget the Masters now. I mean they're gonna to have to work hard to get something up and going. So Perth, Australian Open and the the Australian PGA, line them up in February. The other thing that February is magnificent for is because one, we're then single cricket by February. Well the I was tennis about this before the tennis is over. You look back a month from
0: now, Marco, or six weeks. The NAB Challenge was on. They were playing in regional Australia. But you're sort of, you're not quite ready for footy. It's at night time too, by the way. There's nothing on sport-wise. There's nothing on. Zero.
1: So it's It's the perfect perfect. calendar. It's
0: the perfect time slot in the calendar. There's nothing on.
1: Absolutely. It's also perfect because it's up against tournaments in America, like um, uh, the Phoenix Open. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so not everybody likes that no, tournament. You can actually drag some playing down. On a course that's not the that- Pebble oh, Beach gosh. Pro-Am is a tournament that most people try not to go to because of the Bumpy Greens. Yep. Torrey Pines tournament, the Bumpy Greens. It's a beautiful time to maybe pinch some of the big names. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, um, it, it is a time where hopefully players, our players, yep. have got off to a good start in November, December playing on the tour. And they go, okay, now I'm off to a good start. Yes, I'll come down and play in the tournament. That's got to be in the background of everything. Now, just changing our tournaments to February, it might be a dry spell for the first three years. Mm-hmm. But once it's entrenched into that European Tour schedule, you might things you might find things get shuffled around a little bit. That well, you might find that the European Tour says, "Let's get down and play on these unbelievable golf courses." If it's if everything's if if it's easy for players to get to, so Perth. Let's say the Masters comes back. Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, off you go. Or Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, off you go. Or Sydney, Brisbane, off you go. If it's made really easy, you'll get players of quality from the European Tour coming down. The European Tour, you know how good the players are? They win the Ryder Cup pretty much every year at the moment. They're not squibs. The European Tour players are guns. And we are basically just saying, no, 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 we don't want it. I think Golf Australia and I think the PGA have made an unbelievable bad mistake not putting these tournaments together. They actually have to look to the future and do what is right because our tournaments in November, December, it's not going to work long term. That's why the Australian Masters, we don't have it this year. You've
0: been so big in the past, Marco, and particularly on this show and your own radio station as well, that's... Australia, the Australian tournaments need to be on this European tour to yep. get the, to get yep. the when you win, you get yep. you know the, the right. exemption on the European tour. What, where are we at with that? Because you've spoken about the, yeah. in the future that this is going to happen yep. uh, eventually. Where are we at with making sure that our big tournaments are part of the European tour so that players actually want to come here because it's worth their while, not just for prize money, but to actually get some points?
1: Baby steps have been taken. All right? So the Perth International is a European tour event, but it hangs in February by itself. Yep. The Australian PGA Championship is now a European tour event. But unfortunately, it just hangs there by itself. It's next to the Australian Open, but it just hangs there by itself. Yeah. So they're doing the right thing. and And I'm sure they all understand the importance of us being associated with the European tour. But let's do it properly. Let's put them all together. Let's make it a pathway. And if you really want to do the job properly then all of our smaller events, Vic Opens, New South Wales PGA's, Queensland Opens, Queensland PGA's, West Australian Opens, South Australian Opens, all, all those smaller events need to be on the other side of Christmas. So you have your 10 small events before Christmas and you have a order of merit there for basically our young Australian players. Mm-hmm. Let's say the top 20 players from that small tournament circuit, then they get into the four big ones. Yep. And all of a sudden, these blokes have a pathway to actually playing against the best players in the world. European tour is a pathway to getting inside the top 50. But at the moment, there are tournaments all over the place. It doesn't make sense. If you were to start from scratch, forget about the history and start from scratch. And we said, we're going to give you four European tour events, and you can keep your dozen small events. This is the perfect way to do it. Now, someone just has to be brave enough to say, okay, we're going to miss a year here we might actually miss a year of playing the australian open mm-hmm. that might happen we might miss a year of playing the um, australian pga it might happen because it's hard to get funding you know if we're going if all the tournaments are in november mm. at the moment we're yep. going to play them in february almost impossible i would imagine to get the we're funding in the same calendar year yeah uh, uh, yeah calendar year other one no. business financial year yep. Yep. almost impossible to get the funding in the same financial year so you might have to skip a season you might have to but that would be perfect absolutely perfect to have All the small events together before Chrissy and have an order of merit, whatever, top 20, top 30, get into the big ones. And you have those big ones around February, maybe the second week in Feb, and you go to the first week in March. And then you give our players, our Australians, a pathway to that European tour. And the European tour is then a pathway to the US tour because you can get into the top 50. On that European tour. Once you're in the top 50, there is a pathway, a, a simple pathway. Play well in the majors, play well in the World Golf Championship events, and you will get enough money on the US tour to collect your card.
0: That's what it's all about.
1: Mate, I've only been saying it for. <laughs> how long have I been on the radio? For, since 2004. Yeah. Mm. Come on, somebody's got to be listening. This has got to happen. At least, even if you just want, even just come out and say, you know what? We're working towards that. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> Say that. We just want
0: to have some, some tournaments that mean something and some good players yeah. to go and watch. But at the that's moment,
1: yeah, that's, what, that's all we want. Yeah. But tell, sh- tell us. Tell yeah. us what you're working towards because at the moment, there is no plan. There is nothing. You've got an Australian Open that is associated with nothing. All you do is win the Stonehaven Cup. You don't get an exemption <laughs> anywhere. You might get a small event, you know, you might yeah. get into one of the World Golf Championship events, but that's not security. How about, you know, Nick Cullen? How about that one? You win the Masters, you don't come back the next year because you're at a tour school trying to find somewhere to play. What a Uh, ridiculous situation. Sums it up. Now, the PGA and Golf Australia get together, will you? Tell us what the pathway is going to be and fix this situation.
0: All right, Marco's about to blow a gasket, so we might have to take a break on the clubhouse up next. Some more positive stuff, Marco, because the Masters is only a week away. The U.S. version – We've got a few players who have a genuine chance of winning. We're going to find out who you think is going to be holding or getting the green jacket right after this.
1: In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse.
0: Yeah, you certainly are. The Clubhouse across Australia. Mark Allen's the best voice in golf on radio. He's in the studio with myself, Julian Baird, and we do it all thanks to Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. And if you're thinking of golf in Melbourne, you're coming to visit, or you're in Melbourne, make sure you think Club Mandalay. It's just 20 minutes up the road from Melbourne Airport on the Hume Highway. ClubMandalay.com.au for all the details of how you can book around up there. It is magnificent. Marco,
1: do you know how to bet on golf, tools? No. Do you know how it's
0: done? <laughs> no.
1: You understand? There was a. I had a role there going with. KJ Choi. Now yeah,
0: did, I did. I remember. I hearing... wasn't just
1: backing him to win. No. I was backing him every week because they showed him no respect. Mm-hmm. He was a gun player who, at any given week, would have be been probably like thirty-five to 1, 40 to one. Yeah. The bookmakers had him at eighty and ninety to one pretty much all the time because I didn't respect his ability. So, if you've played golf at um, at uh, professional level, you understand that. You can just hole a couple of 15-footers early, see your name on the leaderboard, and all of a sudden you're part of the tournament, and your mindset changes. It shouldn't, but it just does. Conversely, if you get a bad bounce on the first hole and you make a double somehow, then the world's against you, and it's hard to get rolling. So it's not like a horse race, because I know you can, you know, obviously you can't pick winners all the time in horses, but it's more complicated than a horse race. So all you can do if you want to make money playing this game, which is gambling <laughs> on golf. Gamble responsibly, of course. You've got to look at the odds, and you've got to see whether they're over the odds. Yeah. All right? So if we're tossing a coin, it's 50-50, whether it's going to be a head or a tail. So if you bet heads all the time, you can safely say you're not going to lose too much money. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> when you see somebody like Jason Day, 7-1. So... Yep.
0: It's for the masters, right? So
1: that means basically that, you know, from six goes he's probably one chance of winning seven to one. Yeah. That's how it works. That's probably about right. Yeah. If they played six times right now, he'd probably win once. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's above the odds. Rory McIlroy, the way he's playing at the moment, eight dollars fifty, he's probably under the odds. Jordan Spieth, the way he's playing at the moment, eight dollars fifty is probably under the odds, but only just fractionally. What you want to do in golf? You want to find somebody who is a mile this is your
0: specialty Marco. this
1: is where it is good for me okay <laughs> now the masters is a good golf betting tournament because you don't have a 144 man field where everybody is a reasonable chance of winning yep. and I'm talking about you yeah, we always see blokes who are you know you read the day next day he's number 870 in the world or he is the last person in the tournament basic tournaments you can win a lot this yeah. tournament there's only about 90 you know, maybe just under 100 people playing. A lot of that field is made up of past champions. They can't win. Another part of this tournament is made up of amateur golfers. They can't win. Mm -hmm. Then you basically have a few guys who are playing in the tournament but can't win at at this venue. So in the end, you only have about 40 players who can win this tournament. Let's say 50. So this is where it comes in the play. Right. So, Bubba Watson at eleven bucks, he's won this thing twice. That's about right. So, you you know, that's a good bet. Ricky Fowler at seventeen dollars. Ricky is putting extremely well and bombs it. He's at seventeen bucks. I reckon that's probably about right. Dustin Johnson. I just don't think he can win here. I don't know why. I hope I am wrong. Mm -hmm. But at twenty-one bucks, I don't know. Okay. Phil Mickelson's at twenty one bucks. I think he's old. And I don't think he can win <laughs> think here. He's old. Yeah, I do. I don't think he can win here. Right. I think he's old. Now we get to a few players. Now we get to I a like few it. players, dude, where we're talking about blokes who can win at this event. Yep. Justin Rose Ooh. quality player. Yep. Twenty three bucks. That's telling me that if you played this tournament twenty two times, he'd win once. Mm-hmm. I think he'd win more than once okay. if he played this tournament 22 times. So Justin Rose, great value, $23. This is the one. Louis Oosthausen. Just
0: runner-up in the uh, yep tournament and he's, last week to Jason Day.
1: He's lost this tournament in a playoff yes. to Bubba Watson as well. So this guy, when you talk to the players who play every week, mm. and more importantly, when you talk to the coaches, people stop... Watch Louis Oosthausen hit the ball He's clearly swinging Unbelievable, he's clearly putting Incredibly well yes. Louis Oosthausen at $29 He should be At 11 bucks. Right. So if you're looking for value this week I'm not saying that Louis Oosthausen will win <laughs> But he is Much better than 29 bucks. If you play the tournament here 28 times I guarantee he would win probably more than once yep. So let's, let's halve it Underrated Underrated, there so get go. on Louis Townsend. The he's one. good value. Henrik Stenson at thirty four dollars. I think he's got to win one at some stage. He should probably be about twenty bucks. Patrick Reed's at forty one bucks, but I don't feel it with Patrick Brooks Brooks Kepka is a gun at fifty one dollars. I just don't feel him winning here. I might be wrong. Yep. But fifty to one probably sounds about right to me. Now two names down the list. Paul Casey. Yeah. He's a gun. Mm. He's playing well. He's played well at Augusta before at fifty six bucks. I almost reckon that's given away. Oh, that is a beauty. I reckon he should be twenty. I reckon he'd. I reckon he'd win once in, in twenty times. times no, in twenty times, I reckon. So I reckon Paul Casey's a ripper. Way over the odds. Sergio, way over the odds. What about Leash there at fifty six? Way over the odds. Brandon Grace, way over the odds. No. Brandon Grace can win this one too, mate. He, Cup- he's a jet. Now a couple of names down. I see Tiger Woods at sixty seven. That's got to be a joke, doesn't it? That is a joke. <laughs> Even, gonna if, play. even if he plays, I think he should be a hundred to one. He's not gonna win. Come on, Tiger. I'm just looking down a little bit further, Jason Duffner, JB Holmes. Billy Haas is at a hundred to one, hundred and one dollars. Right. Billy Haas can play. Mm. We saw him lose just the other week. Um, was it a playoff or did he just come second? But Billy Haas at a hundred to one. bad. That is good value. So if you're gonna have a little sneaky ten bucks, there you go. You might make a thousand on Billy Haas. <laughs> A little sneaky 10. But that's the way. Ling Lingmuth. Lingmuth's at $151. He could win here. He's a gun. And Angel Cabrera. He plays well here a lot, although he's old. He's very old. He's he's as In the, old as the me. Phil Mickelson category. Yeah, he's as old as <laughs> me. He's at 200 to 1. Um, all right. Leave him alone as well. Let's put the odds aside for a moment. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Gamble responsibly, of course, with all that stuff. Ten bucks. Having, having a bit of fun. Don't go crazy. Having a bit of fun. Yeah. Now... Uh,
1: who is going to win? Jason Day is going to win. Jason Day is going to win. Jason Day is going to win. I hope he doesn't listen to all this stuff because I reckon <laughs> that would play with your mind. If you kept on listening to the radio or the sports shows, everyone's saying he's, he's the hot golfer coming in. Now, he's the number one player in the world. And we've said this before. It is hard to win tournaments when... Oh, not tournaments. It's hard to win majors yep. when you're the number one player in the world. Only a certain kind of player has been able to do it in the past. Tiger Woods is one. Greg Norman's another. You get the feeling, you you get the you understand. Jack Nicholas, even though the rankings went around, he was the number one player in the world and he could come into majors and win them as the world number one. Probably Nick Feldo could as well. Um, you know, without having the rankings and the time when he was number one in front of me. But only a certain kind of player can be the world number one and win majors. Roy McElroy's probably done it before as well. Yep. This is a huge step up in class. Oh yeah. If he comes into a tournament as the world number one, a tournament like the Masters and wins, he's in the elite of the elite oh, to do that. Yep. So that, even though he's probably not thinking about that, that that's you know that that's something that people will talk about if he can win this gold uh, green jacket by the end of the week.
0: Does he stay as aggressive as what he has been, Marco, for the last uh, couple of tournaments? Because that's what's made him so successful. Does he have to just ease back a little bit and play? Yep. A little bit within himself, or yeah, can he keep going a, all out attack? It's like a really it good
1: been. call, actually. It's a really good call. I think I think he can still attack off the tee at Augusta. Yep, but I think he's just got to safe side it a little bit more uh, with the irons in his hands, even the wedges in his yeah. hands. I think he's just got to safe side it and play to his strength, which is his putting at the moment. I mean, his strength is how far he hits it off the tee, and also his ability with the with the putter at the moment. So he doesn't have to try and hit it to a foot. Every single time. He can actually play safe and try and hold a 10-footer or a 15-footer or a 12-footer. Yeah. So I think that... That's very important, but I think he has to stay aggressive yeah, off the tee. Because so many times in the match play,
0: you saw his, some of his shots landing like a meter over the water yeah. onto the green, or he was he was trying to cut a corner and yeah. he would just beat the yeah, water. It's a really good call. And in in a match play tournament, you only, if you if you're going to lose the hole, you lose the hole. Yep. Yeah. In the U.S. Masters, that could lead to double triple. bogey, triple bogey, and, and there's your tournament. Yeah, so, I agree.
1: So yeah, you're spot on. It's a really good call. He needs to be, and I think all players know this. Yeah. Uh, Whether they can put it into practice or not is another question. But I think he can afford to be not so aggressive with the irons. Um, And, you know, one of the keys at Augusta, you have to be very defensive when you've got a downhill putt, very defensive, um, and just wait for those uphillers. Uh, With Jason's length, I mean, You know, Augusta, this is one of the great things when Tiger won so many times there. You know, Tiger could reach the second in two. He could reach the eighth in two, par fives. He could reach 13 and 15 in two. Basically, the course, I mean, if you look at it like that, it's a really hard par 68. Yeah. Let's say it's a par 70 for Tiger. (laughs) It's the same for Jason. Jason's hitting the ball further than Tiger ever did. Yeah. Further than he ever did. So, uh, Jason, this tournament sets up really well for him. He's going to have... Plenty of birdie putts. But he has to pick and choose which ones he goes with. And that goes with Adam Scott as well. Adam has to pick and choose. And even though he is brilliant from tee to green, he's got to be careful with the irons in his hand, probably safe side a bit, and wait and be patient for those uphill putts that he can look at and say, "Okay, this is going in the back of the hole.
0: Jim, excited. (laughs) Me too, mate.
1: It's great. It's great. It's the first time I've been back here in Australia. Well, how come you're not over there? Uh, well, just, well, I've been there the last 11 years in a row. I just yeah. need a little bit of a break. Just need some time at home. need a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, I did. Need to see the family. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Anyway, can't wait. Can't wait. Hopefully <laughs> the coverage is good. See, and I he's... see Channel 7's put it back on free to air. Yeah. Yeah, which is enormous. So congratulations to Channel 7 and as well. And Fox
0: Sports well. got a dedicated channel? It does seem I hope like, so. I saw something along those lines. I, could be I wrong, hope so. so I apologise if that's That'd be wrong.
1: huge. But, um, I've seen Tim Sheridan doing
0: a lot of promos. Yeah. And a lot of... Gee, how many times can we see that chip from Tiger Woods rolling down the green with a Nike symbol just sort of holes on the edge of the... I don't know. Do I don't ever, know. Do I worked with Tim Sherrod really? once. Yeah.
1: I did the Masters coverage once for Channel 9 in 2002. Yeah. Tim was the my wingman, or, or I was his wingman. Yep. Yeah. That was an interesting experience. Oh. <laughs> Can we keep moving, please? We
0: can get to a break. This is the clubhouse, and we do it all. <laughs> Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. Green feed's available seven days a week. ClubMandalay.com. we got a masterclass next. We certainly do right after this. Marco's Masterclass. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Just before we get out of here, we always get a nice golf lesson from the best golf teacher in radio. His name's Mark Allen, and he's here on the Clubhouse for you right now. Mark Good on you,
1: Jules. Nice of you to say. Now, a lot of people have been watching golf for a long time. Everybody, it seems, is using the claw. Mm. Louis Oosthausen <sighs> loves oh, here we go. Louis Oosthausen loves the claw. Yep. Adam Scott. Loves the claw. I thought you were going to go again. It's all right. <laughs> okay, okay. Mate, there's a lot of players. They all use the claw. Now, there we go. Thank you. I like it. Now, if you are thinking about using this technique, one of the things that you must do is that you must be prepared to make a longer stroke. It's When you've got two hands gripping a golf club, you have a lot of strength. When you only have one hand basically gripping the golf club… Yep. Half that strength is gone. So if you try and have the same technique as far as your rhythm is concerned, it's just not going to work. You're going to leave a lot of putts short. Now, the claw works. It is a proven golf technique now. People are winning with it at the highest level, and stacks of golfers are beating the yips with it Mm -hmm. at a club level. Yeah. And even just a lot of club golfers are actually doing really, really good things, beating their handicaps. Handicaps are coming down since they've gone to the claw. The reasoning is... It's because it forces you to have a longer, more rhythmical stroke. Yep. My old man's taking up the claw. He loves it. I'm telling you, the claw just works. The claw just works for so many people. But believe me, one of the biggest killers in putting when you've got the hands on is people making too short a backswing. And they make the same length backswing for every putt. I'd go on about this as well. Mm -hmm. You can't have the same length backswing for all putts. Short putts, short backswing. Middle putts, middle backswing. Long putts. A long backswing. Yep. And you actually judge the backswing length to match up with the length of the putt. Best putters in the world just do it. It's just something ingrained in their head. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when people just look at the piano and they can play the piano. <laughs> the best putters in the world, they pick up a putter, and for whatever reason, they just the backswing length is perfect every yep. time. It matches up. So when you do this, if you have been a bad putter, I almost guarantee that your backswing length has been stuffed up. And then you're forced to really accelerate for the longer putts and probably stop on it for the shorter putts. When you use the claw, it is so important to have a short backswing for a short putt. And as the putts get longer, you end up with quite a long backswing for the long putts. This is how the best putters in the world play. And if you use the claw, you can improve your putting out of sight. But you must match up the backswing length to the length of the putt. There you go. The claw? Are you a claw man? No, I'm not. I'm not I'm sure. a
0: claw man, but right. uh, maybe because yeah. I'm not putting that well. Yeah,
1: even no. if you're not a claw man, even if you like holding the club with uh, two hands, yep. like everybody else, you can actually just do it as a um, practice mechanism on on the yeah. on the golf course because it actually it helps you develop a beautiful rhythm mm-hmm. with your putting stroke. Because, like I said, you're only really holding the putter with one hand. Yep. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the claw, Google the claw putting grip. Yep. Can I have that sound effect one more time? Google the claw putting grip. I bet Toy Story was your favourite show growing up. Just about. Yeah, I bet it was. Look at you. You were wrapped. Which one was that? Toy Story Uh, 1, 2 or 3? I
0: reckon it was Toy Story 1, I reckon. I can imagine a little Jules
1: when he was a little kid. Finding Nemo. It was coming on the TV. You
0: would have been absolutely (laughs) wrapped. When you said the claw, I had to get that out. Yeah, good work. Hey, um, next week, Marco, we're going to be smack bang in the middle of (laughs) the US Masters. Come on, boys. It's exciting. We'll see you next week on The Clubhouse. Great to have your company.
1: Fingers crossed, Jules. Catch you next time.